Good morning, everyone. It's a joy to be here with you. I'm Nayaswami Mantradevi. This is Nayaswami Krishnadas. And uh, we would like to welcome everyone, especially all our yoga teacher trainees that are here. And uh, the Laws of Magnetism Weekend, people who have come for that. And all of our guests, personal retreat, and all of our friends on the internet. This morning, the topic is... Do you need a guru? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. And I'm reading from Rays of the One Light, Commentaries on the Bible and Bhagavad Gita by Swami Kriyananda. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Many people scoff at the idea of having a guru. True to human nature generally, they make a virtue of their scoffing. I am responsible for what I do, they announce. Responsible for my mistakes as well as for my victories. What would I ever learn if I handed over my development to someone else? To depend on another for guidance would be an act of spiritual cowardice. It would be understandable for someone gifted with some trivial ability, for instance with words, to insist on doing his crossword puzzle himself without letting anyone else help him. But supposing, even in such trivial matters, he had no such gift, what virtue would there be in refusing to learn? For that matter, where would the gift itself come from? That which is a gift is not a native ability. Still, crossword puzzles are hardly an important challenge. What if a person wanted to do something daring, to climb a cliff, for instance, but refused to study the art of mountain climbing? He would climb at the risk of his life. And how much more is risked than physical life in the great adventure of the divine search where the risk is to salvation itself? Where is the sacrifice in seeking guidance? Even a mountain guide wouldn't presume to do one's climbing for one. His purpose would be only to help the neophyte to climb safely. To have a wise guru is not a sign of weakness, but of plain common sense. All the saints, aware as they are of the hazards of the adventure, agree on the importance of having a guide or guru. And these are the heroes speaking, not cowards or spiritual weaklings. Jesus emphasized the importance of having a teacher by asking John to baptize him. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 3, we read of his coming to John. Thus Jesus said to John, It becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. In the Bhagavad Gita, the fourth chapter, Sri Krishna says, Open thyself to those who have attained wisdom. They will be thy teachers. Ask questions of them, both verbally and mentally. Serve them faithfully and with devotion. How is the devotee to recognize one who has attained wisdom? The Bhagavad Gita gives us this inspiring description of the sage. By this sign is he known, being of equal grace to comrades, friends, chance-comers, strangers, lovers, enemies, aliens and kinsmen, loving all alike, evil or good. Thus, through Holy Scripture, 
God has spoken to mankind. topic again, do you need a guru? So let's hear from Whispers from Eternity by Paramahansa Yogananda, his poems and prayers, a tribute to his guru, Sri Teshwar, to give us a glimpse of that. My guru, thou light of my life, thou camest to spread wisdom's glow over the path of my soul. Centuries of darkness dissolve before the shafts of thy luminous help. As a naughty baby, I cried for my Divine Mother, and she came to me as my guru, Swami Sri Yukteswar. At that meeting, O my guru, a spark flew from thee, and the faggots of my God-craving gathered through incarnations smoldered and blazed into bliss. All my questions have been answered with thy flaming golden touch. Eternal, ever-present satisfaction has come to me through thy glory. My guru, thou voice of God, I found thee in response to my soul cries. Slumbers of sorrow are gone and I am awake in bliss. So that's an excerpt. There's a bit more, but it makes the point for today. Do you need a guru? The question has already been answered for you. Yes, you do. (laughs) From the foundation, as Jesus said, from the foundations of this earth, from the foundations of creation, that principle was set in place. We cannot get there without the transference of this spark of life and wisdom and bliss until we open ourselves to a God-realized master. And that was a big beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you need a guru. Swami Kriyananda was asked this question in an interview. And he sort of caught everybody by surprise. And he said, Does, do you need a guru? And he said, no. Expecting him to say yes, of course. He said, no, you don't need a guru. He goes, that is, unless you want to find God. <laughs> so, if you want to find God, you need a guru. We all need a guru. Now, what does that mean, finding God? Well, there's the ultimate self-realization final liberation, the final beatitude, going into the, te- into the heaven and the kingdom of heaven and being made a pillar in the temple and going no more out, as Jesus said in the Bible. That's what the guru will do and lead us to. The guru, a true guru, is God. God's grace comes in the form of the guru. And if we can open up to that, if we could realize that and open up to it, then our liberation 
is actually guaranteed when we do form that bond. Now, in the Eastern teachings of Shankya, Vedanta, and Yoga, Vedanta describes the state, beautiful, wonderful. Who could deny wanting it? And it sounds so poetic and attractive and so on. However, it turns out that Shankya, the teaching of the threefold suffering, body, mind, and soul, seemed to be the more motivating factor in the beginning. You know, you're going along, and we don't really, we haven't had a taste of bliss. We only know what we know. And we only have experienced what we've experienced of joy, of bliss. But we go along and pretty much driven by egoic desire and limitation. We get into trouble and we stumble and we fall and we fall into suffering. Then that's the motivator. We say, God, help us. God, help me. Help me find a way. Help me find a way out of this situation, this predicament, whatever it is. And you know, as Yogananda said, that man is very skillful in his ignorance and that we find so many ways to get into that trouble. So isn't it true? All of us here, we've suffered at one time or another. Perhaps you're suffering now. If you are on this path and have a guru, you know I'm preaching to the choir. And in a way, this is a sort of a celebration of gratitude. The question's already been answered. Thankfully, and fortunately, yes, you need a guru because that's the only way that we are going to find the ultimate bliss and to get out of this predicament, the human condition, the ego and all its fo- foibles and susceptibility to delusion. It lives in delusion. The soul lives in bliss. And the soul is what's driving us. Actually, the soul is driving us every step of the way, wanting that bliss, only it doesn't know exactly where to find it, or at least the overlay of the ego, and it being the predominant force, sends us into uh, directions that don't give us that bliss. So, what? We need a guru. We need a guru. And you know, what's the prerequisite for having a guru, for drawing a guru for God giving you a guru it's very simple sincerity and an intensity of longing a soul call from your very depths that you want God you want this is what you want you want the the soul self-realization that is your essence that's who we are and sort of a little inkling from God's grace, always. A little inkling of that stirs. And we're given a book by a friend. We're given a, something that helps us along our path. So to have a guru, a self-realized guru, is really what you want. One that is one with God. One that has been there, knows the way and says, I will take you. And when you fall, stumble, I'll pick you up. And when you 
go down. I'll carry you. I'll carry you. Not the whole way. That's what it was about last week, right? Self-effort versus grace. There's no verses about it. Self-grace, we have to, I'm sorry, self-effort. We have to generate very powerfully and put that energy into our spiritual search, our spiritual life, and then God responds. So, in a way, we're living in this beautiful country, bombs dropping all over in Israel and Palestine and everywhere else. There's big trouble in the world. We don't quite see that. You know, you could look at it on the news, but still it it seems like, you know, it's far away. It's like watching a, a movie or something. We are blessed to be here in this country, this culture. It has its faults, but it is allowing us at this moment to, we could put everything into our spiritual life without some of the very basic needs being challenged or freedom and so on. So, what is the guru? You can get a lot out of books. You can read, you know, reading the scriptures to the best of your understanding, um, living by them. You can chant. You can go to satsangs. You can learn to meditate which is essential. But you can do all these things and still the grace of the guru will be needed to give you this final freedom. It's the grace of the guru. And, you know, there's no, there's no two ways about it. You can go quite far in living virtu- a virtuous life. You can go quite far in all of these ways, in, a, in these good habits of spiritual practices and so on. But you won't get all the way by yourself. You need a guru. And Yogananda is very clear on this. And he brings these teachings of Sanatana Dharma from the ancient past. And he says, the great ones, they all had a guru. He had a guru. Now it's interesting with all of the popularity of yoga and even now meditation throughout this country and the world, how it's surprising how little understanding there is about the need for a guru. Because I meet people all the time. We serve here at the Expanding Light. Good people, spiritual people, serious about their search, but they don't quite get the guru thing. (laughs) The the guru-disciple relationship, essential. And until you either suffer enough or get it and seek it in that way, as Swami Kriyananda put in one of his writings, how can man get out of delusion or kind of lost and stumbling in the darkness through his self-perpetuated ignorance, get out, needs a guru. Now, it says in the readings, Jesus, before his work, he went to John the Baptist and he received the baptism. Now, in the movies or whatever, John puts a little water on from the Jordan River on Jesus' head. It's symbolic, but there was a transference of consciousness that went 
from John to Jesus. Now, Master, and through Swami's writings, they said that Jesus was actually became more advanced than John. But he still went to his guru for that transference, that blaze of light that went from John to Jesus so that he could begin his, his mission. Yogananda, a God-realized avatar, he goes to Sri Yukteswar, Babaji, this whole lineage of God-realized masters. Babaji says to Sri Yukteswar, I'm going to send you a chela to be trained for this mission to the West. It's a very powerful lineage we have here. But Yogananda went to Sri Yukteswar and in a way like brought it forward. He's in bliss. But there was this further... Now to us it's a bit of a kind of conundrum. He was a free master, already fully realized. But Sri Yukteswar honed his concentration, if you will, or his focus into what his mission was going to be. And then who appeared to him before he left? Babaji. To give him his blessing. To infuse him with that light. Swami Kriyananda, our founder and teacher, when he met Yogananda and he, he saw that book in the Double Day Duran bookstore in New York and he was going to leave, but there's something about that picture of Yogananda drew him, so he got the book. So that was a way that Yogananda could reach him, just simply through that. My own story, when I was in Houston and I went to this satsang that Swami was giving, this uh, free lecture, and uh, I thought, well, I'll go and see what a real live Swami is, you know, and looks like or whatever. So after it was over, and well, during, I was just so totally blown away by the magnetism of this and the depth of his consciousness and the vibration that was coming from him consciousness, that it was just speaking the very depths of my soul. And then it was over, and I thought, as wonderful as it was, some doubt came in. I thought, well, I guess I'll leave. And the story's in As We've Known Him by Asha Praver. I turned towards the door, and I couldn't move. My feet were planted. I turned back towards Swami, and I relaxed. Now, I noted that. <laughs> I turned again just to see if it was my imagination. I couldn't move towards the door. And the door seemed like this little black hole sucking people out, which made me not want to go there either. So I turned back to Swami. See, fulgent being of light, and I had to gather myself before I wanted to go in that direction too so that I could meet him and see where this is going to lead. Um, when Sri, uh, Yogananda at, uh, met Sri Yukteswar on, on Raigat Lane, remember he, there was throngs of people, but he knew something was going to come that day and sort of the masses kind of parted and there was Sri Yukteswar, and he felt this, this yogi, Christ, drawing him to him. And that's when he met uh, Sri Yukteswar in that incarnation. 
So this magnetism, magnetism is what it's really all about. It's the mag- magnetic exchange. Again, we're fortunate on this path, as you all know. What Yogananda, because of his world mission, what he did, he brought so much and translated all the scriptures and, and so on, and all of the teachings, and to educate us about what the guru-discipleship relationship really is. And then Kriyananda and all his writings to further clarify it to the very minute, finest point of what all this is about. Even with all of that, it's the magnetic exchange. When Swami went to Mount Washington and met Yogananda, or the Hollywood Church, I believe it was his first meeting, and as we all know, Yogananda at that point, in the, as it transpired, will you, I give you my unconditional love. And will you give me yours? Will you give me your unconditional obedience? And so on. But it, when that was sort of little, was through, Yogananda touched Swami here and blessed him. And he gave him a baptism. And he sent the light into him. Sent the light into him. He said that um, that afterwards he was in some all-penetrating way his entire consciousness was transformed by that one touch. Isn't that amazing? So that's, that's what we want. That's, that's what we want. We want the magnetic exchange from the guru. And it can come in many ways. Uh, Yogananda is not in the body. Swami now has passed. I'll get to that in a minute. Right now, I'm thinking of how when Swami, he was receptive to that. It was his time. And he opened himself up to that. So again, he shares in the path this, uh, this time with Yogananda. I mean, what does it mean to have a guru? I mean, when you, I mean, if we were going to list all of what it means, who would say no? Who would say no? The guru will, as I said before, take you there, carry you. But the guru knows you better than you know yourself. In the Gita, Krishna says to Arjuna, I know all of your past lives. He goes, I know all of my past lives. And I know all of your past lives. And I can help you get out of delusion. Because the mind and our karmic kind of DNA is so vast and so complex that Swami Shivananda said, by the very nature of egoism, you cannot know the depth of your own faults. It's not aware. But the guru does. And the guru takes us and sort of isolates and kind of zeroes in on everything for you and puts these situations in front of you to learn. He absorbs your karma. This karmic vast from incarnations accumulated. He knows how you got to be who you are 
by his omniscience. And he proved his omniscience over and over again to the disciples. And Swami Kriyananda, in his autobiography, sort of gets story after story. He said that Yogananda would go into, he said to them, he said, every day I search your souls and I see if there's anything that needs correcting. If there is, I tell you. If there isn't, I remain silent. He said, I live, I've lived the life of every one of you not meaning through the incarnations that he became free, he would go into their lives, he said, into their consciousness at night while they slept, and he would experience who they were. And then he would make adjustments and knew how he can help them specifically. Now that is an omniscience that is very incomprehensible to us. When Swami asked him, you knew that? And he said, I know every thought you think. He knew every thought of every disciple all the time simultaneously. How could we even think of that? But that's, that's God because that's, that's the omniscience of God and the omnipresence of God and the omnipotence of God. The omnipotence is in the guru. The guru has the power. So he takes our karma. He takes our karma. And, but he doesn't take it all. He takes some of it. And what he lets through, that's how we learn from that situation. But what he lets through and the, the, the degree that he lets it through, give, give over to the guru's wisdom and the guru's grace. And it will be our raft over the ocean of delusion. So this blaze of light, this transference of light that must take place. So as it's been written, O son of man, ye are old, O son of man, because we go back to the very foundations, the very beginning in the conception of all of this. And we go through all of our lives, but there's no way out. So it's not even a choice. Whether, oh, well, I'm, I think I can get there. You can get quite far, people have. They probably had gurus in the past. You know, but it may seem this like they're ooh, they're very wise. They're getting, but they they will not get there. They will not reach the final goal of ultimate self-realization without the transference of the guru. And I'm just telling it like it is. And I'm just telling it like I learned it from Swami Kriyananda and Yogananda and and in the. Sanatana Dharma teachings. So, so people don't want to hear that. You know, they don't like to hear that because there's a misunderstanding. The guru is going to tell me what to do. Not really. And on and on. But I don't want to list all the, the negatives, <laughs> the misconceptions. I just want to inspire you. And so if you have that sincere, deep soul call, it comes... It's about magnetic exchange. Not even all the teachings that we have. Even all of the teachings that we have. It still comes from that alignment of our magnetism with the guru. When Swami Kriyananda used to go on his trips, 
more in the early years because we had to kind of adjust. He was always here. So he would go on a trip even for just two weeks and you'd be hungry. You'd feel a void. And he would show, come back to the community and he'd have a satsang, explain, you know, perhaps sharing with us his adventure and how it went wherever he went. I would just sit next to him and listening some, but feeling more. I would feel like a recalibration of my consciousness. They say that now we're cut off from the earth. Asphalt, cement, and we wear rubber shoes. They say if you go stand on the earth for 20 minutes a day, bare feet on bare earth, you'll calibrate to the earth's frequency. Well, this is what it is with the guru. You know, we, we, he recalibrates our consciousness and our vibration and our... And then our attunement grows. We get, we get somewhat familiar with that. And then our attunement increases. And we, that's what we go for. I remember I lived near the Hermitage for a time and Swami, in my blessing, somehow I, I know three chiropractic adjustments. One for the lower, the middle, and the upper. It's my specialty. <laughs> I'll take... Uh, appointments later. No, I'm, I'm not certified. But anyway, so, Swami, so I, Swami's back was out once, so I adjusted him. Helped him. And he was having some back, back trouble at the time. So he called me every day. I live close. Every day I would go over, maybe before we would record or something like that, but every day I would go over there. He called me and said, can you come over and adjust my back? I said, certainly, Swami. Feeling I get to my good fortune. So, I'd go over and adjust his, his back. But I was thinking, who was really getting the adjustment? <laughs> who was really getting the adjustment? Being in his aura, my spine next to his, and anyone here that, uh, that has been with Swami and that is, um, well, committed to him being your teacher or not, you know, anyone that's receptive, God in his aura, and you felt peace. You felt calmness. You, you felt the depth of his consciousness. And so that exchange happened. When I met Swami, and uh, I need to close here pretty quick, I was, uh, I was in Houston. Because the, the question here is, does the guru need to be in the body? Our teachings say no. Because the guru gives this diksha or this this power to the disciple and the disciple and through further generations can give that same power. But it is all the guru, which is God, if they are a true channel. So this is how Yogananda was able to uh, fire the blaze of light into Swami Kriyananda and all the others that followed him faithfully and who he took to the divine shores, but we're on our way. When I went to in uh, Houston, I met. I w- had my first interview with Swami, and I thought, well, I'm very Indian uh, by nature, and, uh, and when I, and I thought, I'm going to ask him if I can touch his feet. Because it wasn't something he did very you know, regularly. So, but it was just him and I, and he said yes, probably more for me, because... I'd never touched anybody's feet and uh, was fairly arrogant and 
You know, no one was going to tell me what to do, just about my whole teenage life, probably my whole life. <laughs> but uh, there I am with someone that I knew could guide me. And, I, and he said, certain, sure, you could touch my feet. So I knelt and I touched his feet, and he gave me a blessing like this. And the light came into my consciousness. The light came into my forehead. And uh, so Swami Kriyananda had, has, the power of the guru to transmit that light. And that's what it's all about. Getting the transmittal of that consciousness, of that power. And with that, we find ourselves saved, if you will, or finding truly having the power of all those who received him to become the sons of God. 